to privy to the notes. I time. took. Oh well, these are just <laughs> notes that I took during your seminar. Oh, during the presentation yeah. yesterday. That okay. way, I, I would right. have some stuff to relate to Smart. later, and just some notes about your awesome products. Oh, I should probably do an intro. By the way, welcome to episode ninety-eight <laughs> of the Motorific Podcast. I'm your usual co-host, Joanne, and I'm here today with my very special guest and newfound friend, Laura Smith, uh, founder. I should say co-founder of Worse for Wear. Yeah, co-founder's good. Um, I like to give Scott credit <laughs> when I can. It's, good, it's a good idea. You know, there's yeah. always a man behind the great woman. So, <laughs> um, sorry, sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. So we're going to chat about Laura's really cool line of custom riding denims uh, for women specifically for women and we're going to go over kind of the you know pros and cons of riding jeans and Laura's going to tell us some things that she's learned about riding jeans and why you should wear them and why you should buy hers all the cool stuff <laughs> that her pants offer in terms of protection because I know that many of you myself included you know riding jeans aren't necessarily our first choice when I think of the most protective option but there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting something that matches your style, that matches your personality, that matches, you know, your aesthetic or matches your comfort. And why not have these choices? Um, I think as long as you know what you're buying and you're comfortable with what it offers and it has what you want, then you should absolutely get it. Uh, I, I've only ridden in like a couple of riding jeans and I wasn't thrilled about them. So I don't wear them anymore. They're in my closet. But I think Laura's jeans are definitely convincing me to get a pair so that I have something that I can wear comfortably for the type of riding that I want to do in them. And I think that they're, they're going to do the trick for many of you out there who are looking for a compliment, maybe. Maybe you have a lot of high-end technical leathers and textiles, but you also want a jean and you want something, maybe you want something casual to do a different kind of writing. So we're going to cover kind of what her jeans offer, um, you know, how she got started and, and all that good stuff. And if you do have follow-up questions for her, just email me uh, at the show email motorific at gmail or just post a comment on the blog post for this show and we'll definitely get follow-up answers from her later as well so let's start kind of with a nice intro so give us a little just a little quick background on uh, how you started the company and I guess where you are now uh, as far as where you're based and I guess why you decided to start this company. Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, so uh, I've been riding for a long time. Uh, it's a little over 20 years now and it's, it's all street riding. So I'm always looking for uh, gear that I can wear that will work for me, that works on both on and off the bike. So it's something that I don't have to take off or something that when I get off the bike, it just kind of blends in with the rest of the outfit that I'm wearing underneath my jacket and my gloves and my helmet and so on and so forth. Uh, so when I first started riding, uh, you know, 20 plus years ago, we didn't really have a lot of options for women's gear. So it was either like wear the men's gear and wear a belt uh, or see what you, you know, see what you could kind of scramble to find and get something custom made, even if that was, if that was an option for you, which it wasn't for me at the time, I was pretty much broke. Mm. So I wore a lot of my ex-husband's clothing, uh, or I just didn't wear gear. Mm. And I would wear things like jeans with tights underneath because I figured two layers was better than one, right? For <laughs> yeah. protection. Yeah. And I know a lot of, a lot of my friends now who ride, um, they, they had the same kinds of thoughts when they first started riding as well. Yeah. Like, at least my legs are covered. Yeah. Um, I think we all did. Yeah. 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 And it, you know, chalk that up to just a lack of um, information yep. out there and education. I, I didn't have it. Yeah. yeah. I was wearing jeans too. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning. So, you know, fast forward a few years and I had had 
I'd had this idea in my mind for a long time um, of taking my sewing experience and my design experience and putting them to good use to make motorcycle apparel for women that was protective but didn't look like motorcycle gear. And I wasn't really sure how to go about it. And the only thing that I was really good at doing was bitching about it to my <laughs> boyfriend, or, who is now my husband. Um, and so we went out drinking one night when we were living in Austin, Texas. And I was bitching about it again. And he's like, why don't we just make it ourselves? <laughs> and I said, wait, can I cuss on this show? Yeah. I said, you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, I'm serious. Because we both, you know, we both make stuff. I, I was sewing and I was working with electronics and Arduino and microcontrollers and, uh, you know, doing a lot of graphic design and user experience design and making costumes and stuff. And he was a sculptor and a mm -hmm. programmer. And so our first thought was just make it ourselves. And at the time we thought like, well, how hard could it be? Right. Um, which I can tell you it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. Yeah. So, um, like there was a, there was definitely a, a huge learning curve getting into the apparel industry. Mm. Um, but at that point, I think that was like 2013, uh, I decided I was going to go back to school. I went back to school for apparel design at the university of Texas. Cool. Uh, took some classes there, um, focusing on, um, focusing on technical apparel, um, like looking at, wear? well, looking at the types of fabrics that could be used that were abrasion resistant or protective in some way and mm. just trying to learn as much as I could about them. Mm. Uh, and I realized very quickly that the program that I was in and I was taking classes in was more for like fashion design mm. and not necessarily looking at the technical aspects of apparel. Mm -hmm. So I finished up the classes there that I planned on taking and we just started branching out on our own and learning as much as we possibly could from other people in the industry, mm -hmm. uh, from other people we knew who were making jeans, um, and then figured out whether or not it was going to be feasible to, to make things ourselves or if we would need to uh, outsource uh, the manufacturing to another mm -hmm. factory mm -hmm. and if we did where was that going to be was it going to be onshore offshore yeah uh, and that was when we decided that we would just go ahead and um, get the equipment and build the factory ourselves and make everything on our own now we talked a little bit about that yesterday at lunch how trying to manufacture clothing here the way that you wanted to was a little bit challenging and I would love for everyone to hear why. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so enlightening. There are, oops, sorry. By the way, we're recording live at the Women's Sport Back Rally in Deals Gap because we are both here and so I wanted to grab her since we're here together. So you might hear sport bikes in the background, which I don't think is a terrible thing, <laughs> but we'll try to kind of pause if there's too much noise. Go ahead. Sorry. No, oh, no, that's no problem. Uh, so we ran into a lot of challenges trying to find a good cut and sew shop or a good factory, I should say, um, who that could make the gear to our specifications mm -hmm. uh, and make the quantity of gear that we wanted to use mm -hmm. or, or that we wanted to like get out into the world. Because we didn't want to make, um, we didn't really have an idea of you know, what our most popular sizes were going to be aside mm -hmm. from you know, the cut, the style, and the fit that we had asked our customers uh, about when we first launched the company. Uh, so not having an idea on that, not really having a history in apparel manufacturing, um, we couldn't just go to a factory and say, we need X number of pairs made in this size, this size, and this size. Um, the order numbers that we wanted were pretty small. Uh, and a lot of a lot of the U.S.-based factories are looking at, you know, larger orders for bigger brands that end up taking priority over over a smaller startup like we are. Uh, so in the end, uh, we decided to, you know, buy our own equipment uh, and figure out which machines we needed to make a pair of jeans. Uh, and to make them as you know, efficiently and cost-effectively as we possibly could while still maintaining the, the level of safety uh, 
that we wanted to uh, include with every garment that goes out the door uh, from Worse for Wear. Mm -hmm. So the end result was, you know, after contacting uh, a couple of different cut and sew shops and talking to uh, some people who had experience in the industry, you know, they had suggested take a look at these particular machines, mm -hmm. uh, which do some specialized types of stitches, uh, like the reinforcement stitch that we do down the side seam or the, the out seam uh, on the jeans requires a specialty machine that, um, you know, up until a couple of years ago, I had never heard of before. So it's a um, it's a double needle lock stitch um, post bed machine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll have to give you some photos of that so you can post it on the blog or something. Yeah, but absolutely, not your run of the mill sewing machine. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the run of the mill sewing machine. Uh, so after we got all of that equipment together, uh, we then set about to um, you know, designing and developing the patterns. Uh, that we knew would be uh, the most popular uh, or most requested cut and style uh, that we had uh, discovered through uh, a series of interviews and surveys that we had sent out to our customers. Nice. Um, oh, I do want to touch kind of on the seaming that you mentioned and really how how vital that is when it comes to our gear. And that is probably, I think that's one of the biggest differences aside from the sure having armor and having the obvious uh, material differences in a piece of riding gear that's for protection is the seaming and can you kind of in layman's terms maybe <laughs> give us like a little overview of how how your jeans and how a proper riding jean or pant or just apparel protective apparel should have you know, what kind of seeming to look for? So if you're buying something, what are some things that uh, consumers can just look at and go, oh, this is definitely not going to do much for me versus yeah. something that's like, wow, I that is going to really keep me, keep my skin inside. Sure. So there are a couple of different ways that you can check either on the gear that you have or if you go into a shop, check on the gear that's hanging up in the store. Um to see whether or not the the types of seams that it has are you know, the right kind that are going to protect you in the case of an accident. So the first uh, would be to, let's start with a pair of fashion jeans. Mm -hmm. We're just going to start from there and work our way up. Um, if you have uh, a pair of uh, just like regular street jeans, um, can I throw out a couple brand names? Yeah. Okay. Why right. So it's something like a, like Levi's or Lucky Brand or something that you picked up from H&M or American Apparel or something like that. Uh, the side seams or the out seam, uh, if you take a look at the way that that's constructed from the outside. And you're referring to the seam that runs all the way down your leg yes. from your hip to your ankles. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so that particular seam that runs vertically down your leg is the one that holds... Um, is one of the seams that holds that front panel of denim or that front piece of denim on the front of your leg to the back of your leg. <laughs> and so oh. it makes that little tube, right, to throw your leg into. Mm -hmm. And so that side seam or the out seam uh, is also a place where when we're riding our motorcycle in an unplanned exit, you are statistically <laughs> most likely going to land. Mm -hmm. You're going to land on your hip. You're going to land on the side of your knee, um, you know, one of those areas. Uh, and so that seam in particular is the one that we're looking for for reinforcement. So if you look at a pair of fashion jeans, you're not going to find any reinforcement on that seam except for maybe up by your waist. Um, they'll typically do some sort of reinforcement on that on that side seam for the first three or four inches. Mm. Uh, and that's just... For wear and tear. Yeah, and yeah for wear and tear, but also to get the underlying fabric going in the right direction so that when they press it, it's it's pushing towards the back of the leg. And Everyone's running to their closet right now to grab their jeans. Yeah, like, go, do it, go, go do it. Go get some jeans. Go get your favorite Levi's, the ones you ride in. Go take a look. See, what, <laughs> see what's going on there. So on that side seam, if you've got a pair of fashion jeans in front of you right now, take 
the fabric from the front leg and the fabric from the back leg so that you're trying to pull on that seam and peer inside of it like you're trying to peek inside Ooh. of a little box or a little window. Grab your jean really yeah. quick and then I'll take a picture. So I'll, if you don't know what she's you know trying to do to emphasize, I'm going to take pictures and hopefully you'll see it in this post of what we're trying to show you. Let's do this. We'll do the indigo pair since it has a higher contrast. These are the indigo pair of worst for our jeans for women. <laughs> show you a picture. There we go. Okay, cool. So when you pull that side seam apart, if you can see through it to <laughs> anything underneath, those are not actually, that's not actually protective apparel. Because um, what you're looking at is the first point of failure of any garment that is not reinforced at that side seam. So I've, I've spoken with uh, and have witnessed a number of people who have worn just fashion denim jeans on their bike, been in an accident, and then seen, you know, witness that seam just pop right open. Obliterate. Like a little box. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boop. Like it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, it's like you're wearing nothing at all because you're not. So when you're looking at, when you're looking at a garment to see whether or not that seam is protective, if you can pull it apart and see through to whatever's behind it, it's not. What you should see instead is that seam uh, that's, it's stitched together, um, folded over to one side, uh, and then... Can you show that? Yeah. To me. So it's stitched together, folded over to one side, and then reinforced with a top stitch. So I'm going to show the inside and the outside. What you're looking at on the inside, um, unfortunately with the top stitching, is going to be kind of hard to tell. But uh, what we do on our jeans is for the inside, uh, we actually use for that internal stitch that's being uh, encapsulated or enclosed with the reinforced top stitching. The inside seam we do in a different color so that it stands mm -hmm. out a little bit more so that you can tell from the inside of the jeans. Nice. You can't tell from the outside because you can't see it. Oh, that's another tell right there. You should be able to see yeah. the seam fully on the outside. Yeah, you shouldn't like be that. able to see the, the seam that holds the garment together from the outside of the jeans. <laughs> that's a big no-no. <laughs> Hopefully you don't. Uh, if you do, it was probably manufactured wrong. So the, the reinforced stitches that we add to, um, to our jeans that you can see from the outside, um, the fact that you can see them, that's just, you know, part of that, the heritage of making jeans, of working with denim, mm -hmm. is to see a lot of the top stitching from the exterior. So what we do with that is we double top stitch all of the seams that, um, that could take an impact uh, or are more likely to be in, involved in hitting the ground or abrading or uh, rubbing against a surface uh, mm -hmm. during an accident. On top of that, with our reinforced stitching, uh, we use a, uh, a thicker thread so that it takes longer to abrade through. Mm. Uh, and then we also use a type of thread that is a, it's a reinforced bonded nylon thread that mm. you'll also find in military garments. Nice. So that type of thread is m much more abrasion resistant than a thread that you would find uh, in your sewing kit. Yeah. In a yeah. sewing kit, yeah. uh, at your sewing machine at home. And those are typically cotton fibers, maybe? Yeah. Those yeah. are typically like... Um, Natural fibers. Yeah. Small cotton polyester fibers yeah. that are uh, spun together. Okay. Like old, old time spinning wheels. Okay. Uh, whereas these type of yarns that we use uh, for our uh, bonded nylon thread, these are made in a process. Uh, it's a manufactured yarn where it's made miles and miles and miles long. Uh, and then it's twisted with other uh, yarns, twisted together uh, to make almost a very small rope. Nice. Uh, and then we stitch with that for the top stitching for reinforcement. So clearly big differences in the way, in the way that these riding jeans are made. And I, I would probably, I would say that you could you kind of use the same analogies as far as uh, proper riding textiles and proper riding leathers, because they're also going to be using different uh, stitching materials, 
different threads, mm -hmm. different leather. They're not just using the prettiest, softest, thinnest leather. They're using very special cows and very special hides or very special textiles and not just something you can buy at the craft store. Same idea. More attention to detail to the seams, more attention to detail to the materials being used and how they're used together. And just the machinery, just that itself seems pretty, pretty arduous. Um, but I, I think, I think we all appreciate that attention to, to detail. <laughs> yeah, the, the denim that we use is an abrasion-resistant denim. So actually woven into the denim is an abrasion-resistant yarn called ultra-high molecular weight polyethylene, mm -hmm. uh, which it took me a while to get around to like remembering the order of that. <laughs> so a polyethylene yarn is an abrasion-resistant yarn, very much like Kevlar is an abrasion-resistant yarn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kevlar is the brand name of a para aramid, mm -hmm. set brand name owned by DuPont. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the brand name for our denim with our protective yarn is called Armalif. Uh, and Armalif is a French brand, um, so we get all of our fabric imported from Europe. Uh, there are some other larger um, jeans manufacturers who are working with the same kind of denim that we're working with mm -hmm. uh, as well for men's jeans. So there's not a stitch of natural fibers in there either? There's no cotton? There's a little, a little bit of bit. cotton that's wrapped around the polyethylene. Okay. Uh, and the we, that's, bulk? The bulk of it is the polyethylene yarn. So the cotton wrapping is for comfort and for diability. Not for strength or anything like that. It's no. really just like it's surface material. Yeah. Got yeah. It. It's there so that the polyethylene isn't directly against your skin. Mm. Uh, to provide that little bit of a buffer so that when you put the jeans on, they feel like regular jeans. Jeans, yeah. They don't, they don't feel like you're wearing something weird or right. different. Cool. Exactly. I'd say that's a probably a very, very big difference as well from the average riding jeans you've probably seen on the market where you can clearly see big panels of materials like Kevlar or uh, Aramid. And well, that's why... They feel so different, and that's also why they're less expensive. Yeah. Yeah, so we don't, since we use this abrasion-resistant denim with polyethylene in it, uh, we don't have to do a Kevlar liner. Um, now, we do provide uh, pockets for impact protectors uh, for armor, um, and those pockets also use an additional abrasion-resistant material that has, I want to say, 57% uh, cordura or high tenacity nylon yes. in it. So you have a little bit of extra insurance at your high impact points at your knees and at your hips. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't, we stitch them in in such a way that you can't tell that they're there when you're looking at the outside of the jeans. So we don't do top stitching across the leg. Um, that way when you pull the armor out, um, and even when you have it in, you can hardly tell that it's there. It's pretty lightweight. But when you pull the armor out, you can't tell that there's a pocket there at all. Awesome. So, yes. Even even better. And do in your jeans come with armor included? They do. Yeah, we we make all of our jeans to come with uh, Sastec uh, level one armor at the hips and level two at the knees. So those levels of um, protection with armor or impact protectors determine how much of a force that piece of armor can take mm -hmm. um, and absorb basically without sending that additional force through to you, to your body, to your bones. So the higher the level number uh, for a piece of armor, the more protective it is and the more of a, the greater an impact it'll take and give less, uh, give less to you. Basically. So, uh, what if someone orders a pair of your jeans, they put them on, and it just doesn't fit right with the armor? What, I guess, what options does she have to adjust kind of fitment for that? Oh, or are there? Yeah. So many options. Uh, the, the hip armor is to ha should hang in a single spot. So that's to protect you at your side. Um, so the hip armor hangs in a little pocket. Uh, that comes down from the waistband. And you can kind of shift that pocket forward or back a little bit to get it into a more comfortable position for you. If the garment is a little bit too tight in that area, we do um, we can do some custom alterations mm -hmm. to help 
get that garment to fit more properly with the armor in place. When you put the armor in place, uh, it should never feel uh, restrictive or constricting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that that Sastec armor works in the hips and the knees, it's a, it's a specialty foam. It's called a viscoelastic foam. It's sort of like a, it's like the non-Newtonian fluid. Um, we'll call Swishy. it the silly putty of body armor. <laughs> yeah. Because it can behave both as a, as a very soft, malleable foam, or if it takes an impact, um, it will stiffen up to take the force of that blow and distribute it over the larger area so that you don't, you know, to reduce your risk of, of injury on impact. So those types of, you know, those types of uh, impact protectors are designed to be thinner and more lightweight to begin with. So that way we can design a closer fitting garment uh, and still allow you to insert those pieces of armor uh, without anyone really noticing that they're there. Uh, and still give you the level of comfort as if they weren't there to begin with. If um, if the knee armor doesn't sit in the right spot for you, we can always move the knee pockets up or down when mm-hmm. we make the garment for you since we do everything made to order. If the knee uh, is a little bit too tight for you, we can always open up that leg a little bit too uh, in a made-to-order process. So we have a couple of different ways that we sell our garments. We sell an off-the-rack garment, um, which... Most of um, the riders who purchase our products are going to fit, they'll fit pretty well uh, or very well in either our curvy or our slim cut. Hmm. Uh, But if they need any adjustments made, then we do custom work as well, Um, starting with uh, an off-the-rack garment and then making alterations to help it fit them more properly. Nice. Uh, Kind of going back to what you want to look for when it comes to your riding jeans, what would you say, what can someone look at if they open the jeans up and look inside in the labels? What are some things they should be really looking for to tell them, this is something that I feel comfortable crashing in or something (laughs) that I know will do something for me and not just cover my body? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, they should be looking for uh, protective fibers or protective yarns. Um, The Polyethylene, I mentioned, is one of them, our Armolith. You'll also find it under the brand name of Dyneema. Uh, So looking for Dyneema fibers or some mention of that on the content label is important. Of course, the higher the percentage, the better. Um, Kevlar, if if you're purchasing a pair of riding jeans with a Kevlar liner, look for ones that have as high of a percentage content of Kevlar as possible. Uh, this should be working with a 100% Kevlar liner. Uh, if you're looking at something that's, you know, of a lower percentage of Kevlar, it's not going to be as protective, obviously, because it has less of that protective. So percentages uh, that you would be looking for in any one of those fabrics, you know, you're going to be looking for something that's like 35 45 55% in something that's woven directly into the denim. Mm-hmm. If it's a liner like Kevlar, there's no reason that they should be using anything less than 100% Kevlar. (laughs) The only reason that a company would use less than 100% Kevlar is really for the cost factor Mm. to try and keep their costs down in manufacturing. Um, The way that we've worked on keeping our costs lower is by making less less product just by doing made to order. Mm. Um, We don't compete on price though since Everything that we do is pretty much custom for each customer. Um, so, yeah, you're looking for higher percentages of those protective yarns. Uh, Cordura is a family of yarns or a family of, of um, a family of fabrics, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, that contain protective fibers or protective yarns. Uh, you'll find denim that contains Cordura these days, uh, along with, you know, Fabrics that are just 100% uh, that quarter, a nylon yarn, um, ballistic nylon as well, is a protective type of fiber or, or uh, of fabric. Uh, and those you'll find in, uh, like if you know anyone with an aerostitch mm-hmm. uh, suit, uh, those, are, those are made out of those uh, types of Cordura fib- um, fabrics. There's a lot of, yeah, there's definitely a lot of products on the market with the Cordura material. Yeah. And uh, similar synthetic textiles, but a lot of the big name brands have their own materials they've developed that I'd say would be comparable to Cordura, just Mm -hmm. 
different technology and a different company, not DuPont, or I guess the new company that owns... Uh, Invista. Yeah. Right. Invented by DuPont, but sold to another company. Like all the brands that you know that are owned by (laughs) companies that you've never heard of. Um, uh, Yeah, I, I think it's really important just to look at what you're buying and look inside it and see what it says because it'll give you a really good idea of what you're really purchasing, mm-hmm. kind of why the price points may vary so much next to each other when they look exactly alike. Um, what would you say are, well, actually I actually want to go back to the materials you use. So you said that the denim you use is armalith, mm-hmm. and then you, instead of using a Kevlar liner... You don't. Correct. And you, can you give us just a couple of reasons why you don't use that material? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when, when we were first deciding which materials we wanted to use to make our riding jeans, uh, we, we started looking into how, uh, like what the European testing standards are for um, uh, impact abrasion resistance testing of different materials. Oh, and sorry, really quick, uh, re- in case you don't know, we do not have in the United States uh, impact testing standards. There are zero. Yeah. And that's why many of these brands do use the European ones because they exist. And the brands that sell in Europe, they have to use them. They're required to. But that's why here it varies so much. Yeah. So since we knew that we wanted to follow the same pro- a protective standard yeah. that's already out there, um, we decided to follow that European standard. And one of the things that they do when they're testing uh, fabrics or they're testing garments for abrasion resistance is um, they'll actually take a piece of a garment and throw it on a belt sander and see how long it takes to wear a hole through that fabric, which, you know, of course, we found it just to be fascinating. Yeah. So we decided to build our own version of that impact abrasion resistance tester. It's awesome. Yeah, which is uh, if you have the documentation for it, there are actually uh, spec docs that you can find online. Uh, I think the one that we found was in Hungarian and then translated very <laughs> loosely into English. Nice. So we took that spec doc uh, and we built our own version of that impact abrasion resistance testing machine, which we called the Thrasher <laughs> in the shop. And so we would just get samples of fabric from different mills. And throw them on the thrasher and see how long it took to (laughs) abrade through that particular fabric. Nice. So we were intrigued by the armalith fabric when we first got it because we had already gotten the numbers of how long it lasted in impact abrasion resistance testing from the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. But we just wanted to, I guess, kind of confirm for ourselves that what they had said was true. And it was um, our... Armalith fabric will last a, a, through a four-second slide, a continuous slide in a single location uh, on that fabric before abrading through to whatever's underneath, which is why in our high-impact areas, we also reinforce it uh, with that um, uh, Cordura backing on the, uh, the impact protector pockets to give you an additional it's like two and a half seconds at the knees and the hips. So it's nice. kind of combined six and a half seconds there. Um, what we found with some of the um, Kevlar liners that we were thinking of using, um, we liked the abrasion resistance time that we were getting from it, but some of the drawbacks that we had encountered were uh, it's susceptible to degradation over prolonged UV exposure, which when you're riding your motorcycle, you're typically outside under UV. In some manner or another, mm-hmm. which is why you'll find that a lot of um, a lot of riding jeans or a lot of protective apparel that's using Kevlar in some manner or another uses Kevlar as a liner mm-hmm. so that it has that protective shell of denim on the outside to keep it from being exposed to UV. With Kevlar as a liner, though, you end up with it's kind of like you're wearing two pairs of pants. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to get rid of the two pairs of pants look because I had this feeling that, you know, there's protective fibers out there or abrasion resistant yarns out there that, that can be used in protective apparel. There must be someone manufacturing 
a denim that already has that protective yarn woven in, and that was how we encountered Armalith to begin with. Um, you know, Kevlar's got some other weaknesses as well, like um, it'll go through a degradation if it's exposed to your body oils for an extended mm -hmm. period, which means if it's against your skin and you're sweating and it's hot outside, mm -hmm. it doesn't breathe as well, so it's going to you know, it's going to bring on the sweat a little bit faster than something that has uh, a better breathability. Uh, and it's also susceptible to degradation from uh, certain kinds of detergents. So you have to be really careful when you're washing your Kevlar line jeans, um, you know, to make sure that you're not doing more harm than good every time you throw them in the washer. Um, the benefit of working with our Armalith um, denim and that polyethylene yarn that's in there is it doesn't have any of those problems. It doesn't degrade under UV like Kevlar does. Mm. It doesn't have problems with, with any kind of detergents. You can wash it in pretty much anything. Um, I tend to treat mine um, like a pair of premium denim jeans. So mm -hmm. I wash them maybe once a month or so and then just hang them up to dry. Mm. Um, mostly because I, I want to keep the color from fading too much. Mm -hmm. um, but like, You've seen the, the jeans that I wear. I've been wearing them pretty much straight for the past year and a half. So they've got a good patina on them. They do. They look totally different. Yeah. I thought you were wearing casual jeans. I'm like, oh, <laughs> why doesn't she wear her own jeans? And she should tell everybody about them. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, there were many factors that came into play yeah. when we decided to use the fabric that we're using. And, you know, I don't want to knock on Kevlar jeans, because if that's what you've got, that's what you've got. Mm. And it's better that you're wearing that than you're wearing a pair of Levi's on your bike. Yeah, I, I think that just the benefit of using different materials is you might, they might be more comfortable. They might last a little longer. Mm. And there's, and, and why not? Why not have a material that's more comfortable wear and feels better and breathes better? Materials are changing and technology's changing. And forever and even now, all that people know is Kevlar. But there are so many. There have been so many innovations as far as technology and materials from companies that make this stuff for other uses like military, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, Marines, the, the Navy SEALs. I'm sure they get the best of the best materials to do what they have to do. And why shouldn't we benefit from some of these awesome materials? It's just like the body armor. Uh, it's no longer the case that your body armor has to be hard hard as a shell to protect you. In fact, I, I, I think those are more likely to hurt you, uh, not hurt you as far as you're going to break a bone, but I just don't think they're as comfortable to crash in. And why not have some body armor that's softer, just as strong, if not stronger, and just as protective, but be easier to wear. And I think that's just indicative of the 21st century. <laughs> and yeah. innovations in technology. So don't worry if it doesn't have Kevlar. It still is going to protect you because of all the different reasons that Laura has really listed so far. Um, right now, Laura's offering custom uh, writing jeans for women, but also you, but you do have an off-the-rack option online too. Yeah, right. So you can buy one of the off-the-rack options in a multitude of sizes and inseams, mm -hmm. right? Not just one inseam yeah. because hemming them may not be as easy given the materials that she's using because it's not uh, a denim jean with a lining of material inside of the armolith. The jean itself is constructed of this material. So... You can't just take it to your tailor and go, here, hem this, because yeah. they'll probably break their needles <laughs> or it won't well, hem. <laughs> it's not quite so much the needles as it is the scissors. Uh, oh. When we were going through the prototyping process and we were working on the, the fit and the cut of these jeans, yeah. uh, the company that I was using to make samples for us, mm -hmm. I think I ruined every pair of scissors in their shop. <laughs> when we were trying to cut out just a single pair of jeans to stitch together. Because they just weren't strong enough. Yeah to cut through this material. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's extremely awesome. cut resistant. That's and that idea, was, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was one of the things that we had considered when we were putting our factory together was how are we going to cut this material? Mm. So we actually have specialty equipment that you use in larger factories. It's, um, it's called a straight knife. Mm. Uh, and it's like, a, it's like a jigsaw for fabric. Cool. 
Yeah, and it has an eight-inch blade on it, and you actually will run it along the table. It has little ball bearings on the bottom of it, run it along the table and cut out your pattern shapes with it. And it'll cut through anything. I mean, like, it'll cut through your hand if you let it. So you have to wear um, a chainmail glove when you're working <laughs> with awesome. it so that you don't you know, run into stuff. an issue of accidentally cutting your finger off. And yeah. where's your factory? Or your Yeah, where's your factory? Uh, we're located in Richmond, Virginia. So we do... Uh, we have a, uh, a mixed-use property that we purchased in an old warehouse district in cool. Richmond. Yeah. Sounds beautiful. Yeah. So, so if someone wanted to come see you, they could. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so we do, uh, we do hours by appointment out of the factory. You can come by. We'll give you a tour of the shop. We do custom measurements out of there as well, or you can just try some stuff off the rack. Nice. Uh, and then the reason that we had purchased that building, uh, it's kind of nerdy, is so that we could have the factory on the first floor and then live on the top floor. So we put an apartment in. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're the, you know, it's like the benefit and drawback of living where you work is you work yeah. all the time. Yeah, for sure. So got to get a handle on that. <laughs> so I know that just talking to people who are interested in writing jeans, especially your writing jeans, because I've read a lot about it and people have asked me about it and people are always talking about it. If, if you hadn't heard of her worst wearer jeans, then you're definitely not shopping for motorcycle gear for women and you're not really wearing anything. Cause if you were searching, you'd probably see her name pop up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, God, my brain just went blank. I was just going to ask you a question. I totally just went dry in my brain. Um, do you offer any other services for customers like altering maybe stuff they have or anything like that? Mm. We don't, we typically don't do alterations on anything that we haven't made. Okay. Um, and that's really just because we're trying to focus all of our, our mm -hmm. time and effort into making a really good product for yeah. our customers. Yeah. Uh, so anything that comes in that's kind of outside of our mission ends up taking away from yeah. the time that we need to work on, on the really important stuff. Um, We've done zipper replacements before and, and some alterations of other yeah. other pants. Um, but that was when I had a lot more downtime. <laughs> and, you know, the business has been picking up quite a bit in the past two years. Great. That's great so, to hear. Yeah. That is really great to hear. Yeah. So I'll throw a I bone out. I don't have out. a problem with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good problem to have. I'm going to throw a bone out to the men because now you know what it feels like to be us, to not have something for you that we have. And even though she doesn't have a men's line... Uh, Laura will do one by one, I'm sure case by case basis, a custom jean for you if you are a man with the caveat of... You got to come into the shop. <laughs> <laughs> you to physically so, travel there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, fortunately, Richmond is a beautiful place to travel to and to hang out in. Uh, we've actually had Customers come up from uh, from Raleigh, come down from D.C., cool. uh, West Virginia, a few places in Pennsylvania. Um, it's a nice little destination for a weekend trip. For riding, um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, since we don't have, we don't do men's patterns. So yeah. everything that we do Too for bad. men is a one-off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's time the tables were turned, and it's time that we have a product that men do not have access to, not as you know, much. So get used to it, guys, because we've suffered long and enough. <laughs> um, but I'm sure maybe in the future, it might be something, you know, you may or may not pursue. We've been tossing it around. I can't, I can't but there's say. there's not a market for it. I, <laughs> yeah, there's just not a market <laughs> for it yet. Um, I can't say one way or the other Yeah, what we're going to be doing with that next. But um, it's definitely been a great learning experience for men's patterning. Uh, to be able to go through this process with them. What have you, uh, I would say, because I've, I've had a lot of people ask me, oh, you know, I'm, I want to start a new, I, I think I'm going to start my own line of women's, you know, gear and because we really need it. And I agree, I agree. We do need more, we do need more product options uh, than what's available. We need more brands, excuse me, I think. Uh, to come online, especially brands owned by women who ride, uh, to provide the right fitments and the right styles. But what 
what advice would you give to someone who's listening in and who wants to kind of go in this direction, maybe not with jeans per se, yeah. but maybe with other, other gear? I get asked this a lot. <laughs> like, You've I suffered. Tell a, us. How have you suffered? I think this is probably one of, the, one of the more popular uses for the contact form on our website is for people to ask me about starting their own line, which I highly encourage because I love to see more diversity, a greater, uh, you know, increased product offerings, um, a variety of styles um, in the market. And I would love to see more women getting started with, you know, creating their own lines. That said, there's, for us, when we went through this process of designing and developing and deciding to do the manufacturing ourselves, um, it was sort of like picking up an encyclopedia and flipping open to a page in the middle and trying <laughs> to figure out what the hell's going on. Hmm. So we ended up... Because there's no like school you go to. Um, there's no book you can buy that yeah. says how to do all this stuff yeah, in a, one a place. A fashion design degree is not going to give you everything that you need mm -hmm. to know about uh, apparel manufacturing mm -hmm. and the apparel industry. Mm -hmm. It'll give you a great background into designing creative products. Mm -hmm. um, but the actual like making bringing it to fruition yeah. and bringing it to market um that's something that we had to look for a while to find people who had experience with that mm. uh we ended up meeting a woman in Albuquerque who had written a book called The Entrepreneur's Guide to Sewn Product Manufacturing oh yeah and that was that was a big boon for us to nice. discover that and to get to know her and just the wealth of knowledge that she brought from working in the industry for mm -hmm. decades. Maybe we'll post a link to this book so that others can also read yeah. what you've read. Yeah, that was read. a great eye opener for us because okay. it was it was sort of like, you know, if if you were going to go learn about space travel, you know, where would you begin? you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what you need to ask because you have no idea where to even start. Mm -hmm. So at least just reading through that book and getting on her forum and talking to her about that gave us an idea of the types of terminology, the types of people we would encounter, um, the idea that, you know, that you had to, source all of your materials mm -hmm. yourself or hire someone to do it for you that you'd have to interview factories on whether or not they actually knew how to work with cut resistant material and if they you know could work on the types of patterns that you could provide for them or did they need to make their own patterns um, figuring out the size range that we wanted to mm -hmm. to provide and making mm -hmm. sure that those patterns fit um, you know that particular person in that individual size mm -hmm. the way that it's supposed to mm -hmm. uh, because as we you know as our bodies change in size and they get larger that doesn't necessarily mean that we always get taller right mm -hmm. no no <laughs> different dimension I yep. say we're going in different dimension yep so you know learning all of the the ways to to speak about these things and you know what they were called and to talk about them intelligently to other people who are already you know who have been in the industry for a long time the the book was just indispensable for that i imagine finding people to work in your factory of how many people um well <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty small so we have uh two full-time employees and two part-time employees wow who work for us right now. And, and was then, it hard to find people, though, to do this kind of work? I got really lucky. <laughs> um, I, we were walking home from dinner one night, and I, <laughs> it, it, just the weirdest thing, we were walking past, um, uh, we were walking past a laundry, a laundromat that also does alterations. Mm. And I peeked in the window, and there were a couple of people working in there on altering some garments. And I popped my head in, and I said, hey, I'm opening a factory to make women's motorcycle apparel if either of you guys are interested in a part-time job. <laughs> and uh, they both seemed pretty interested. And one woman said, I'll be there tomorrow. 
Oh. <laughs> and she came in the next day. And by the end of our conversation, she said, so I can start on Friday if you want. And it's like, all right, you're hired. Because nice. <laughs> she already had um, she already had a lot of sewing experience. She had run her own business. Ooh. She knew what it meant to be a design entrepreneur. Uh, and the only thing that she was really lacking was the industrial machine experience, Ooh. which we were able to provide for her. Nice. Um, and yeah, she... She and my other employee, um, they make jeans better than I can now. So, um, and that's fine with me. You know, they're better at it. They're faster at it. Yeah. Um, I end up talking to the customers, designing the products, Mm -hmm. doing the, doing the garment alterations, doing the pattern making uh, and adjustments, uh, and then pass it off to them, uh, to take it over from there. So they've got a really good system down that we've been working on over the last few months, Mm -hmm. Uh, for speeding up uh, production and making it more efficient. Nice. Yeah, so I, I got really lucky. That's awesome, because I think the art of sewing, the art of making things, it's hard to find people here who know how to do these things mm-hmm. and do them well. Yeah. And that's why a lot of this stuff is done offshore, mm-hmm. because no one wants to do it anymore, because yeah. the people who do know how, they're getting older, or they're not with us anymore. And how do you bring this kind of business and manufacturing here, especially when someone looks at the price of your jeans, for example, and mm-hmm. says, I can't spend that money. Mm-hmm. Well, but I want more options. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. So I know that many of you are thinking about, well, God, I, well, how would I ever spend, you know, 350, what is it about 350, 399 379 mm-hmm. on a pair of jeans. But I hope after this really understand why they're not just they're not jeans they're called that and they look like it but they're not yeah and I think that's really important but also just the fact that they're made here and they're made uh you know by people who have a living wage and live in Virginia and are spending a lot of time and effort to make you really really great jeans and we'll also post a picture of some crash jeans that Laura also sold to a woman who was riding in, in California and how those made out so you can kind of see how, how well they performed. We'll also post a picture of her worn jeans so you can see like <laughs> where the color is going to end up mm-hmm. in a year because I know many of you are like probably disappointed at the color finish of the fabric. But I think you need to know that they're not going to stay that way forever. Yeah. And they're going to change just like any brand new dark denims you may be purchasing now. So what do you want? Do you want jeans that are already done? Or do you want some jeans that <laughs> like, you know, have a lot of life in them? So there's things to consider. But you also offer black? We do. Black, yeah. Uh, yeah, not so they, denim, but black. Um, yeah, it's. Armalith. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a black armalith fabric. Um we do, on the black jeans, we do a black-on-black black stitching. Cool. Uh, so I've had... Ooh, what if I wanted black-on-gold stitching? <laughs> <sighs> we could do that. We did, um, we did indigo on indigo for a customer a little while back because she didn't want the... Stitching um, to stand out. Yeah, she didn't, yeah, didn't want the contrast stitching. Cool. So I had some indigo thread in-house uh, that we ended up using just to make a single pair for her. Mm. Um, she... There was another woman we made a pair for, the black-on-black pair we made for a woman just outside of Atlanta. Uh, She's wearing on stage uh, playing in a symphony and in a chamber orchestra. (laughs) So she rides her motorcycle to the symphony, Wow! performs on stage in our riding jeans, and then rides home, (laughs) which I find to be fantastic. Yeah, no, I'd say that's probably the ultimate, I would think, Mm -hmm. uh, for many of us. Um, do you have any remote plans or any wishes in the future to do textiles? Uh, to design my own? Like, yeah, to add textile writing pants or like, uh, oh, yeah, like a mesh uh-huh, writing uh-huh. pant beyond the denim line. We do. We do. And I can't get into too many details on okay. it right now. Um, you don't have to do details. But just... yeah, we've got, we have plans to expand the line. Cool. Um, obviously, we've been focusing on the parts of the woman uh, from the waist down. Mm-hmm. So we've got a pretty good lock on uh, patterns and sizing and fitment, fitment. For, uh, for pants in a variety of types. Um, so, yeah, we're looking to expand the line of pants. Uh, we may bring a jacket on Ooh. at some point. 
Um, and with the with the jacket, we're exploring a couple of different styles mm -hmm. of other things that will work well in armolith as opposed to switching over to another type of textile. Uh, so it's still maintaining that kind of semi-casual uh, look of denim, uh, but maybe you know dressing it up a little bit more uh, to to go with a, l a larger variety of of outfits on and off the bike. What would you say, if you can answer this question, who, who would you say uh, riding jeans, either yours or just in general, riding jeans are not for? Are not for? Yeah. Hmm. Man, that's what a good question. Use? I mean, for me, the only thing that really, the, well, the biggest thing that comes to mind is riding on the track. <laughs> yeah, yeah we don't jeans. have the impact abrasion resistance rating for track riding yet <laughs> so we're not a CE level 2 product um, I would say you know yeah that's a, that's a really good question because we get you know we get women who wear um, you know they wear their climb two piece suits mm -hmm. uh, for a majority of their riding mm -hmm. but then they're looking for something that they can wear for yes. casual street riding. Yes. Um, to and from the store, they don't want to put on yes. their their two piece oversuit and just to me. go to the grocery store. Right, and that's that's basically me. Yes. Yeah. I wear a two piece leather when I go to work, mm -hmm. and I just want something for that fifteen minute ride. But I mm -hmm. do not trust cotton riding jeans, and yeah. I do not trust uh, the. I just don't trust the riding jeans that I have encountered for that kind of short riding or like just to dinner eight blocks away. Yeah. You know, so that, now that kind. I wear mine cross country. <laughs> hey, but you know, that's me. So, cause I, I wouldn't make something that I couldn't put my complete faith into to ride and wear pretty much everywhere. I've worn them in the rain. Uh, I've but they're not waterproof. extreme heat. No, they're not yeah. waterproof, but they do dry extremely quickly. Mm. Like, so if you get stuck. Yeah. Mm. If you, if you throw them in the wash with a regular pair of jeans mm -hmm. and you hang them both up to dry, they're going to dry twice as fast hmm. as your other regular jeans because of that protective yarn that's in there, the polyethylene yarn, nice. since it doesn't hold water. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I've, I've been thinking more about who they're for as opposed to, to who they're not for, maybe. <laughs> well, I, I guess my argument always been for jeans is they day they may not perform the way that some more technical apparel would perform so for example if you need vents you need air to really mm -hmm. come in because you're riding in some serious heat and you really need that that's where the riding jeans may not give you that yeah. kind of performance or if you do need something that's fully waterproof if it's torrential that's where you may not mm -hmm. want to wear uh, your riding jeans uh, certainly on the track I would say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So for that kind of riding, I would say, but uh, uh, otherwise, I would, I would say that your jeans are certainly more than sufficient for some city riding, for local riding, mm -hmm. for some highway riding. Um, I, I guess for me, my my real apprehension would be s like some serious slide time, like high speed, fifty, a hundred yards. It's, Extreme, and I'm talking about extreme cases that may never happen, mm -hmm. and that's where I would, you know, I'm going to stick to my leather for that. Yeah, but I, I still think that jeans make a nice companion if you want it, and you know, I think the word jean mm -hmm. implies a lot of things, and they're really just pants. Yeah, and they, it's <laughs> with pockets. It's a technical <laughs> garment that we make out of a technical denim. Yes. So yes. that's the way that we look at it. Yes. We don't look at it as a regular jean. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's, I think that's what people, what you want to also consider when you're looking at uh, higher end riding pants as well. So it's kind of, to me, your jeans follow, your, they fall in that same category mm -hmm. versus kind of your stripped down, really inexpensive riding quote jean. Well, I, I think I've taken them up most of your time, but I... <laughs> I, I personally think we covered everything I wanted to cover, and I got a lot of really cool answers to questions that I think people will really benefit from. Right. I think the information about seaming is just so important. It's so important, and it's it's overlooked. Yeah. I think it's often overlooked for words like Kevlar. And uh, uh, I hope that really helps people out. I, I you know, 
Laura didn't pay us to be on to, to be my guest. I just said, "Hey, you're here. I'm here. We should really talk." So I, I'm glad we had a chance to do this. Yeah, and and I I hope that if you're listening to this, you got some really cool answers to questions that you were curious about. So that way, if you're considering a writing jean, quote unquote, or just a really cool looking writing pant that you'll consider her line. I'll certainly post all the links to her product as well as some of the photos they took of her of her bottoms. I'm going to go try some on and then you can see me wear them. So if you do have follow-up questions for her, either email directly on our website or just post a, a comment on the blog or on Facebook and we'll definitely get back to you. And if we get enough really great questions, maybe we'll do a follow-up episode and get a little more nerdy and more technical <laughs> and, and talk about gear. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I hope you will visit us on Facebook at Motorific Podcast. Visit Worst for Wear on Motorific, sorry, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all over. And uh, look for me and Chrissy to get back together in probably two to three weeks. I think she's out riding for about three and we're in week one. So I'm probably not going to get back together with her for a few weeks. But in the meantime, I hope you'll enjoy this episode and we'll talk to you soon.